I've just seen a face I can't forget the time or place where we just met She's just a girl for me and I want all the world to see we've met Oh, well done. I, I use this music in my daughter's high school graduation tape. And I and when I showed them, I put video together. And when they were born, I showed this. And I just, I just love this song. It gives me goosebumps. So once again, Eric, well done. Jim Shaw, your guest host today till 5 p.m. on Afternoons Live. Derek Hansen in tomorrow. Tyler Axness back on Wednesday. Our phone numbers are 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. You can text us at 352-70. Phone calls are always top priority as opposed to text messages. However, having said that, I'm going to read two text messages. One of them from a listener uh, just wrote in, I-29 northbound from Harwood, to Hillsborough, ice on the driving lane, passing lane only slightly better, never went above 45 miles per hour, dangerous travel. And then I want to read uh, one uh, in the 2 o'clock hour from 2 to 3 p.m. Our guest was State Senator Rob Kupek from Moorhead, who is about to start his first legislative session. And uh, here's a text that came in and says, Jim, one thing you forgot to bring up with Rob Kubek is the recent appointment of Paul Marquardt, Waltz Taps Marquardt, for Commissioner of Revenue. And I just want to say that that was the first question I asked Rob during the interview. And we talked about it for several minutes, and Rob said what a great selection it was. So... I, I don't know how you could have missed it because it's right here. We have it on record. He gave a great answer. So I'm sorry you missed it, but we did talk about it. It was a legitimate question, and um, Rob handled it, uh, as he did with others, with uh, grace and style. Now I want to pivot to the North Dakota legislature, and I want to talk about history, long overdue history, because for the first time in November, the state of North Dakota elected an African-American to the state legislature. And not only is she the first African-American elected, she's also the first Muslim elected to North Dakota, the North Dakota legislature. She's a Democrat. It is just so exciting to see, way, way overdue. Her name is Hamida Dakani. She is with us now. Hamida, congratulations and welcome. Thank you, James. Thank you for having me. Delighted to. So before we talk about what you are planning to do in Bismarck, I want people to know your story. Uh, you were born and raised in Kenya. What was life like there for you? Uh, well, yeah, that's right. I was born and raised in Kenya. Life in Kenya was it was it was okay, not to the to the point it is here, but. You know, I get to go to school, uh, I had food, and just a little kid playing around, and we had a farm. My dad is a farmer, so running around with the animals. It was, it was good. Well, why did you decide you wanted to leave Kenya and come to the United States? Well, when I finished high school, uh, 
I was looking something to do and I didn't have the means to go to university because again, uh, my parents wouldn't pay for my school fees. So I get this opportunity and I took it. America is the land of dreams and I wanted to make that dream possible. So it was the educational opportunities that attracted you to want to uh, immigrate to the United States? Yes. Okay. You've arrived in the United States. Tell us what you did with your life after you came to the United States. Well, when I came first, I went to, I worked at John Deere. Uh, by then it was called Phoenix International. And it's an assembly line. I worked there for a couple of months, and then I went to NDSU. I followed my dream of education. I graduated from NDSU, Go Bison, and uh, and then I get involved with the community. My four years of the undergrad, I was doing volunteer work with with the New American mostly, and we're doing stuff like interpretation and transportation and helping people prepare to get their citizenship. Uh, you know, they have to study like 100 questions, American history questions and and stuff like that. How did you end up in North Dakota? Did you choose to come to North Dakota or did someone kind of encourage you to go there or send you in that direction? How did you end up in North Dakota? I, um, friends, I had friends from, from back, back home in Kenya and they used to live here and go to school in NDSU so uh, they encouraged me they described Fargo as a small town that I won't be distracted and that's what I was looking for not distraction just to get to school and finish and yeah I came to a friend's recommendation. Uh, I know what it was like because I although I've been here over 40 years um, I grew up in the Boston area uh, and I know that surprisingly became an adjustment for me weather-wise. I can't imagine what the adjustment must have been like for you growing up in Kenya and coming to a cold weather place like North Dakota. How how hard was it for you to get used to our tough winters? Oh, man, I, I didn't even get used to it. I am still struggling. Uh, it's, it's we all still struggle. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hard. I I always tell friends that. Uh, the winter season is the depression season for me, but you know, and I mean it because, uh, again, coming from Kenya, the weather is completely different. And then you had a couple months in the summer that is very good, and then we get into this snow and the wind, and it's, it's, I'm still adjusting. We're like I said, it's all I'm. Uh, every we all go through this, even those who have been here. You know, at, at this time of the, especially after this past week, like, what are we doing here? This is just crazy. Uh, it's it's so cold, and you you can't go outside, and uh, driving is dangerous. Uh, there are other choices, but then gets to be warm, and we forget about it, and then we go back. It's it's a vicious circle. We're we're happy with our our, our very mild and pleasant summers, and then here we go back yeah. into the deep freeze. Yeah, I I always say the winter are cold, but the the warmth of the people people in Fargo welcoming. That's that's so wonderful to hear. So tell me, so from the time you got to the United States, how long did it take you to become an American citizen? Uh, It takes five years to to be an American citizen. 
and then once you apply then it takes another one year for the application to be processed and you know all all the vetting and everything they have to go back to your history see what you have been doing the last five years you know if you are paying your tax if you're working if you know if you have any criminal record so after after a year of that then they you will do the test and then it takes six years and a couple months all together and and you have to study American history and American civics you have to understand how our government works is that Yes, yeah, yes, you have to study 100 questions from American history and you have to pass and some of them is not easy. Like you have to talk about the World War and the questions about the First World War and the dates when we get independent and stuff like that. So, you it's, it's a test. Yeah, but I I've always said that the immigrants most immigrants know our history and our our system of government better than those of us who were lucky enough to be born here. I want to ask you this. All right. So you became an American citizen and we're so glad you are. What does being an American mean to you? Well, that's a good question. It means, it means giving back to your community. Uh, it means freedom. It means protection. Yeah means a lot of good things. A means, lot. means, yeah, liberty and be able to say what you want. Yeah, a lot of good things. Okay. Yep. How, how have you been treated here in the United States? Uh, for the most part, very well. Uh, I've always been around good people, like my friends are very good. And I went to NDSU four years, worked, you, worked in this community. And did you like it there at NDSU? I did, I did. Yeah. But one fact, I've never been to a bison game. What? Yes. <laughs> well, Hamid, it was nice having you here. And I, it, actually, it's it, I don't. It, it's not so much that you haven't gone. It's just it's hard for me to uh, fathom because bison football is just all around us. It's huge. It's the biggest thing in town. How you have avoided that? Now, having said that, I just so you can feel better, my daughters, my twin daughters, went to the University of Minnesota. And they lived right across from the football stadium and the basketball arena, and they never went. Okay. So you you could feel that it just didn't interest him. And I'm a big, yeah. huge sports fan. Yeah. Um, but hopefully you'll be uh you'll be pulling for them when they play South Dakota State in the championship game. I do. I do every day, and I'm very proud. Everywhere I go, I say go Bison. But I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna go watch one day. Okay, we're yeah. gonna count on that. Yeah. Um. We talked about how tough the weather is here. Uh, Eric Johnson is going to tell us exactly how tough in the next few days, how things are looking. So, Eric, what's the forecast for Fargo-Moorhead and beyond? Here on the mighty 790 KFGO, Jim Shaw, your guest host on Afternoons Live until 5 p.m. Eric Johnson, your producer. Before we get to our guests, I want to catch up on some text messages that have come in. And once again, you are welcome to text message or call us at 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. 
The text is 35270. Uh, first of all, um, I can't remember which segment you played it at, but we started the segment with a song from the Guess Who, and I said that they should absolutely be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they are not. And somebody wrote in and said, absolutely, Jim, the Guess Who belongs in the Rock Hall of Fame. Yep. Double exclamation point. Uh, another one, <laughs> bless your heart for, for texting back because I was just having fun with you. I, I wasn't meaning to be harsh or critical, but uh, when we started the last segment, I talked about how we received a text message uh, saying, where, why didn't you talk to Rob Kupik about Paul Marquardt? And I said, well, we did. We started the show with it. And this person was nice enough to write back. And you didn't have to because it's just, I get this all the time where, uh, why didn't you do this? And you did. And you probably hear this too. And this one was nice enough to say, Jim, I apologize. I was listening while snow blowing and missed it. Hopefully it's on the podcast and we'll catch it there. Thank you. Well, for the third time. You didn't need to write that. You didn't need to apologize. It's very nice that you did. And yes, not only is it on the podcast, but Eric tells me he just posted it. So you can hear the entire interview with Rob Kupek, who was very good. Uh, one thing I always like about politicians, going back to my straight news days, is people who will take an opinion and go with it, as opposed to be wishy-washy. Tell me why you for something. Tell me where you stand. And Rob was that. And lastly, I, I want to tell you that our guest here, who I'm going to get to in 20 seconds, is Hamida Dakani. She is the first ever African-American ever elected to the North Dakota legislature and also the first Muslim ever elected to the North Dakota legislature, which is just fabulous. And here's a text message that came in and said, I am texting in to congratulate Hamida on her recent win and to wish her the best of luck for the upcoming legislative session. So with that, let's get back to Hamida. And I just want to have, uh, I just have one question. Um, I'm always interested in hearing this because I hear, I get different stories from people. You, you, you like the U S you love the freedom. You liked NDSU. You like living in Fargo. Have you ever encountered any racism directed towards you around here? Uh, just one time during, during the campaign when I was knocking doors, I was in, one of these apartments and someone just started yelling at me out of nowhere and he even went far and called the police and I didn't even know the reason why he didn't he didn't say anything he just like get out of here and I'm like I'm here to talk to people I'm a candidate and he didn't listen he started calling me all names and called the police and did he call yeah. you racist names yeah he he called me everything he called you know um talked about the n-word he talked about you know, the F word, Muslim, all, all of the sort of negative things. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, how did you react to that? I did not. I did not react. I just uh, I just told him I'm, I'm here to talk to, uh, you know, the okay. voters of District 10. I'm, I'm not here to do anything wrong. I'm just, just want to tell people who I am and ask for their vote. And, uh, but having said that, I've been here 11 years. That was the only time ever. Anybody said anything negative to me, and that's music to my ears. I'm 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 delighted to hear that. Yeah. I'm very happy to hear that. That's yeah. that's great. Just like I'm, I'm happy that people voted for you based on your qualifications, not your skin color, not your religion. Yeah. Having said that, 
though, we, I just want to talk about the historic nature of it. Uh, how do you feel about making history as the first ever African-American and first ever Muslim elected to the North Dakota legislature? I'm, I'm very grateful. Again, I am, as you said, it's the first time and uh, people have looked, they have overlooked who I am and looked at the qualification, as you said, and went ahead and voted for me. So it's something that I'm not taking it easy. I am very grateful and I am, I'm going to work so hard for the people of District 10 and uh, hope to be there. Long to see others making the same history. I'm waiting for the day, and I bet it will come, where someone is elected uh, and we don't even write about or talk about their skin color or their religion because it'll be so routine that it's not a big deal. In other states, it isn't a big deal. I, I can't imagine uh, in most states they would say this person is, is black. They would just say he or she was elected, or this person is Muslim. They just say he, he or she was elected. And that day will will come even here in North Dakota as uh, it becomes more of a welcoming place. We are going to talk about your priorities as a state legislator in the upcoming session, but we have to take a break. So I want to hear, I'm going to throw out some issues, and I also want to hear what some of your legislative priorities are. And we will do that right after this short break. We are back. Jim Shaw, your guest host here on Afternoons Live on the Mighty 790 KFGO. I am a columnist for Forum Communications. Before that, longtime broadcast journalist at WDAY-TV and KVRR-TV, and I taught journalism at Minnesota State University Moorhead for 17 years. Our guest is a person making history, the first ever person elected to the North Dakota legislature who was African-American, first ever person elected to the legislature who was Muslim. Her name is Hamida Dakani. Hamida, you're about to start your first legislative session next week in North Dakota. What are your top priorities? Uh, well, James, my priority is everything that people have been talking about during the campaign when I was door knocking. So uh, my district and the people who voted for me's priority are child care. Child care is expensive and it's not even available. Uh, people talk about property tax, you know, how... That is killing families. Uh, people talk about funding education. And, you know, those, those are the things that I'm going to go advocate and try to make sure that we, we, I work with others and get things done for, for the people of North Dakota. And, and those are important issues. And, and I think we all recognize, I mean, I'll just do them in order as uh, how you mentioned them. Child care shortage is, is just very difficult. It's very hard to get a child care and very necessary. This is one of those where we know what the problem is. The solution isn't so easy. How, what's the solution? How do we we deal with this child care crisis? 
Well, the solution is people to just work together, you know. Like, it's not that we don't have the solution. We do have, but we start pointing fingers. Who is who? And we, we start thinking about who is red, who is blue, and all that. We just, for once, this is not only childcare issue. Right now, it became in North Dakota, it became workforce issue. And, you know, that, that, that will going to affect our economics. So to figure that out, we need to work together and get solution. And I hope people are hearing from the people they voted for. Let's talk about taxes, which you brought up. Um, the governor in his budget uh, is calling for basically the elimination of the state income tax. Uh, I know other people in the legislature are calling for what you're saying, uh, lower property taxes. I'm just going to give you my take, and I want to see where your priority is. Uh, to me, the income tax is nothing in the state. As a matter of fact, of all the states in the country that have income taxes, North Dakota's is the lowest. I don't even notice it. It is not a burden. And, of course, the good thing about income taxes is it's based on your income. I think the property taxes are high, and they are a problem, especially for those of us who, uh, as we get older, are making less money, but our property taxes continue to increase. So between the property tax and the income tax, which is a higher priority for you? Um, well, James, again, property tax is what people talked about. I am elected by the people of District 10 to represent them, and none of them ever, I have knocked almost 70% of the district. None of the people I talked to raised income tax. Everybody was talking about property tax, and that is my priority, and it's the priority of the district. I've heard some people, even though it, it, it has been addressed and they have taken action before, but some in the legislature say, well, not our problem. Take it up with your local school board or your local county commission or your local park board. Do you believe, though, that the state, as I do, has a role and can do something to reduce property taxes and subsidize them, even though they are administered at the local level? I do. I, I, <clears throat> again, yes, I, I do believe that the state has a role. And again, this is, we're all working together. So if the people who voted for you, the people who want you to represent them has bring this as an issue, then we cannot just push it back to the locals. We have to find a way that we can work with the locals and figure this out. And I think if people are open-minded about it, I think it's solvable. Let's go back to your other issue, education, and I agree. And, and generally, the legislature, if you compare K-12 funding versus higher ed funding, they're, they're more generous with K-12. Higher ed um, really gets hit hard, I believe. And here we are. NDSU is looking like they're going to have to make major budget cuts. And uh, my colleague at the forum, Jack Zaleski, wrote an excellent column a few weeks back saying, what's wrong with this picture? The state has a legacy fund of over $8 billion, and yet our flagship universities are having to make major cuts. Isn't there money out there in the legacy fund or elsewhere that can at least maintain the status quo at our, at our top universities, or for that matter, all the universities in the state? Why, why should they be having to undergo these huge budget cuts when the state has all this money? Well, that's a good question. And I think 
the again this go back to the voters when you when people run for election they run in all these ideas and then once they elected they do nothing about it so people should be held accountable where is that money going to who is the money sitting there for if we cannot provide to the schools that educate our kids we talk about the second generation the third generation people who are coming after us and then the most valuable thing is education and we don't want to fund education so it just it just doesn't make sense and it's it's a good question that the voters should hold people accountable nobody should go against funding schools people should vote for that i agree yeah. i want to talk about some other issues that you did not raise okay. um this is one of my pet peeves, if you will. Okay. Uh, North Dakota has a secondary seatbelt law. Most states have primary seatbelt laws. A primary means if you are not wearing a seatbelt, you can be cited for that. A secondary is you can only be cited for not wearing it if you commit another offense. So if, you, if you're speeding or drunk driving, they'll, they'll, they'll say, oh, we noticed you're not wearing your seatbelt. Basically, the law has no teeth. It's not working. And consequently, because people know they can drive right by a state trooper, not wear their seatbelt, and nothing happens, they're not wearing them. All right, so what's the problem? The problem is people are needlessly dying in this state because, in my judgment, the laws are so weak. Here's a startling statistic. 67% of those killed in motor vehicle accidents in North Dakota, are not wearing seatbelts. 67%. Um, at the last legislative session, the North Dakota House, I believe, passed a bill that would make seatbelts a primary law. The Senate killed it. What are your thoughts about a primary seatbelt law in the state of North Dakota? I just wanted to understand why did the Senate killed again? I don't know. You know? <laughs> I, I just, uh, uh, okay, I'll take it back. I, I, there is, this is the, you will run into this. Yeah. There is this mindset in the legislature and to some North Dakotans, we don't like being told what to do, even if it will save our lives. Okay. We do not want anybody making these decisions for us. We want the right to be able to kill ourselves rather than have government keep us alive and um, not only keep us alive, but make sure we don't become widows or widowers or lose our children. There is that mindset okay. uh, that we should just stay out of telling people to do the right thing, which somehow seems to me a little bit of a contradiction. I, I hate to bring up the abortion issue, but where we're government, where we do step in there, but we don't step in on, on something like seatbelts. So that's that's the reason, yeah. That's 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 my take on the reasoning. Well, I think that is hypocrisy, and uh, if we want the government to be out of people's life, then completely be out with anything, including abortion and and transgender and gay right. Otherwise, I think that uh, again, that's hypocrisy. But with the seatbelt, I am very supportive nowadays. Not only that. Not wearing is a problem. People are in all these social media. You know, we have uh, Snapchat, TikTok. People are always recording themselves as they drive. So it's, it's something that I was going to ask you about that because yeah. I think uh, let's make we can take a break. So I'll I'll see if we can get a, an answer in about thirty seconds. But I think our distracted driving laws are way too weak, and and you see so many people out there 
on their phones, on their devices. And when you're driving a car, you got to be 100% focused on the road. You cannot take your eyes off the road for one second, or it could be too late, and either you're dead or you've just killed somebody. And uh, I think I think it's a $100 fine. I think our distracted driving laws are not tough enough to have people do the right thing. But what do you think about distracted driving laws? Well, they should be strengthened. You know, $100 will not bring someone's life back. You know, you cannot just find someone $100 when the accident may kill someone else. So I think it's a good thing, and they need to they need to reintroduce or to recheck that and figure out and see the language why it didn't pass and maybe make it a law. Well said. We need to take a break now. We will do so, and we will continue our discussion with... Hamida Dakani, newly elected state representative from Fargo, right after this. America. There's something happening here. But what it is ain't exactly clear. The Buffalo Springfield bringing us back to Afternoons Live right here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Jim Shaw, your guest host, Eric Johnson, your producer. Our phone numbers, phone lines are wide open. If you have a call for our guest or a question for our guest, feel free to call in 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. You can also text us at 35270. Our guest is Hamida Dakani, newly elected to the North Dakota legislature, first ever African-American, first ever Muslim elected to the state legislature in North Dakota. I have a question coming in on our text message site from a listener. And the question is, what is your guest view of abortion in North Dakota? I'm guessing what that means is, you know, what, what is your view of whether abortion should be legal or not in North Dakota? Um, I think government should stay away from women's health. You know, um, if whatever women want to do with their body, with their with their life, they can do it. Again, I'll go back to what we just talked about, how they say the seatbelt is not important. So I don't see why they governing or they controlling women's body or women's health is, is a government issue. I, I don't see it. So, uh, yeah. Right. And realistically, you're in the minority in the state legislature. Yep. And realistically, there is no chance the legislature is going to pass a bill that's going to allow legalized abortion in North Dakota. Yes. But I want to bring up a, a, a side issue to that that's very important. And I, and I talked about this when I guest hosted on the morning show on Friday. And that is with the abortion trigger ban that is on hold now. But in my judgment, either that will become law or the legislature will pass another law to replace it. One of the overlooked consequences of this is what this means to women with complicated pregnancies. These are women who maybe their water breaks early, they get some other illness, and uh, the baby isn't going to make it, and uh, the and and they need to be treated. But the law states that the woman has to be. You have to be, do it to save the life of the mother. Well, at that point where they need to be treated, they're not near death. They will be near death if they're not treated. 
But at that point, at that particular moment in time, they're not near death. So doctors in this state, and I've interviewed them, are afraid they will not treat women in North Dakota the way they should Mm -hmm. when they have a complicated pregnancy for fear of being put in prison. They will have to wait until a woman is near death and suffering all these complications. My question to you is, what is your thought about putting in a law that allows doctors to do their jobs during high-risk pregnancies when that means ending the pregnancy uh, to save the health of the mother? You know, that should be even common sense. You know, uh, it shouldn't, shouldn't go all the way that we have to put laws and all this. That, that, that is common sense. You know, we have to save mother's life if that is what it is. And also, North Dakota is complaining about uh, shortage of workforce. We cannot attract talent. And then we are putting doctors to jail and we are making them felony. So who wants to come and work in North Dakota? You raise a good point. I talked to a doctor about this again on Friday. I've also written about it. And... She has told me that if this law holds, if this law goes into place, no obstetrician will come to the state. Other doctors won't come to the state. And this doctor who is the the, the best in the state or one of the best in the state in treating high-risk pregnancies, she will leave. So good luck to any woman in this state who is pregnant and needs the care of a doctor if this law is in place, you will all suffer. Even if you are the most pro-life family, if you are the most anti-abortion family, good luck in getting the medical treatment you need as you are going through your pregnancy on your way to planning to add a child to your family. And again, the treatment I'm talking about, these are for women who wanted to have babies. They did not want to abort. They plan to have them. Something went horribly wrong with their pregnancy, and they had a miscarriage. They had a water break. They had something happen that went wrong. They had an illness, preeclampsia, where they, they, their life was at stake. And now the game has changed. So they have to do what they need to do so they can stay alive, and that would mean getting a dead fetus out of them before the, it kills them. This is what people need to recognize is the issue here, and uh, it absolutely needs to be addressed by the North Dakota legislature, and I hope people will get it, but I'm not convinced that they do. We'll come back and wrap it up with Hamida Dakani, but we need to go to the KFGO newsroom for a break, so let's do that, and we'll wrap up with Hamida Dakani in just a few minutes. Turn the water, shade off We are back. Jim Shaw, your guest host, as we're wrapping up another edition of Afternoons Live right here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Our phone number is 237-5948 or 1-800-880-5346. You can text us at 35270. Our guest for the next five more minutes or so, and we'll let her go. We've taken up enough of her valuable time. Hamida Takani. First ever African-American elected to the North Dakota legislature. First ever Muslim elected to the North Dakota legislature. She starts her first term next week. 
Representative DeCani, you're a Democrat. This state is overwhelmingly Republican. Um, all the statewide office holders are Republican. The legislature is dominated by Republicans. It's it's very hard for a Democrat to be elected most anywhere. Why in this state? Why did you decide to run as a Democrat? Well, that's a good question. I run as a Democrat because most of uh, most of the things that I value have been uh, valued by the Democrats, and also, you know, uh, people believe, as you said, this is very red state, and people believe that. Uh, there's less acceptance to people like me. So uh, to prove people wrong, being a minority and running a minority ticket in a very dominant red state, and I still people voted for me. So just to encourage people that there's still Democrats in North Dakota, go out and talk to them. A couple more quick issues. Paid family leave. This is always a, a hot issue. Uh it comes up before the legislature. We're talking about uh, a, a short-term paid leave for families with either medical emergencies or families that just added a child. What is your position on paid family leave? This is a long overdue. People should have worked on this long ago. Again, I will point fingers this time with the Republican Party. I, I thought they're the ones who care a lot about families and value families and morals and all that, so I don't understand why that will fail in, in North Dakota. That should be long, long ago. And again, COVID has proved that family need paid leaves. So uh, if it comes up next session, I will, I will support. And I'll encourage people to support because, again, this is for families, and we all love our families, and we all care about families. Are you as concerned as I am that in this next legislative session, it's going to be dominated by these crazy culture war issues that come out of nowhere, that are not top of mind of your average North Dakotan. I'm talking about discriminating against transgenders. I'm talking about critical race theory. Are you concerned that you're going to be spending a whole lot of wasted time in the next session dealing with these culture war issues? I am, but I'm not surprised again because people have been bringing this up uh, a little long time now. But again, we are not elected to go there and fight about issues that are not important to more than half of the state. So uh, I hope people will put priorities first and work on issues that are important to our state, especially workforce and childcare. And you know, when you were knocking on doors and you knocked on. Hundreds, if not thousands? Thousands. Thousands. You knocked on thousands of doors. When you were knocking on these doors as you were trying to get elected, did anybody say to you, uh, I want you to address critical race theory or I want you to address uh, transgenders, anything like that? No, not even a single person. People were talking about childcare, property tax, you know, which now we are not, we are overlooking it. We are not talking about it instead we're talking about transgender issues and things that are not important to the voters as i said but nobody ever mentioned that yeah it's it's amazing where these come from because <laughs> they're they all of a sudden they just come out of nowhere and there's just dozens of them it's nuts well you've been a good sport to come here because you you rushed here from getting off of a plane and i really appreciate it are, are you excited about uh, getting going next week i am i'm very excited i'm looking forward getting there and do some work for the people of uh, District 10 and people of uh, 
North Dakota. Well, we're excited. Uh, I think it's just fabulous that, uh, again, as I said at the start, long overdue, we have a person who is African-American and Muslim, but regardless of that, just a person of your skills, of your passion, uh, pushing the issues that you're pushing. Um, I think you really represent your district well, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best of success in your first term and beyond that. Thank you, James. Thank you so much, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, stay warm, and yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. All the best to you.